Dave Max Cork History Matters, brought to you by Red FM. Jared Martin O'Brien, I'm going to give you the full title uh, in, at the, in the outset. Um, thank you for joining me for this Cork History Matters podcast. How are you today? Okay, I'm pretty good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I got a copy of, well, actually, I think I saw an email and, and I said, well, that looks a little intriguing. Like I've done history chats on a range of subjects and often, you know, far reaching, sweeping periods of time and the like. But I don't think I've ever done one quite well. And, and in fairness, this is sweeping in time, but uh, one that's quite as specific geographically, at least. Um, right. So what's the inspiration? Like what? What drew you to to put together fairies, felons, and fine gentlemen? A history of the Glen, Cork, obviously, seventeen hundred to nineteen eighty. Well, um, very simple, really. I actually grew up in the Glen um, in the nineteen fifties and sixties, and the house we lived in was in the very, very centre of it. Uh, and throughout the, in the after the nineteen eighties, there was a huge upheaval with the. Uh, in those days, the Glen was owned by Goulding Fertilisers. It was just part of the, of the land that it was attached to the factory in Blackpool. Uh, and the house that I grew up in was called the Engineer's House. So the, the, pres- the chief engineer for the factory lived in the house with, with his family. Now, um, the, uh, the, um, the, that factory was, de- was decommissioned then, and, and um, the, the main factory was moved to the marina. But the, we lived on in the house. We, uh, my father wasn't an engineer. My father was an electrician. But he was there because he was useful to keep the electrical part of the old factory going while the transition was taking place. So we ended up living in the house. Um, and uh, I had a very happy childhood there. But in the 1970, 1967, actually, Sir Basil Goulding donated the Glen to the uh, the corporation, to the people of Cork, effectively. And the, the, so the ownership passed from Goulding's to, to public ownership. And it went into a fairly, uh, a, a lot, a very bad decline then after that. And the um, there were a lot of houses built in the, per, in the perimeter. There was a, a main a sewage works went through the Glen, which sort of pretty much destroyed you demolished all the old ruins that used to be there and everything like that. And um, eventually, well, the Glen had a very bad name for a number of years and um, it became unlivable. You couldn't live there. The, the house itself was actually burnt down. Uh, and um, but that was that was that was after a series of burglaries and vandalism and everything like that. We, we just couldn't live there anymore. So I moved away from there and I lived various places, lived in Limerick and lived in Tipperary and then ended up in Galway. But I always thought of the old Glen uh, and um, what a pity it was that the the whole character had disappeared. Uh, and um, like the, what's there now is, is lovely and, and mm. uh, people are very fond of it and, and everything like that. But it's just amazing that a whole way of life and a whole series of buildings and um, uh, industry and and uh, pastimes and all sorts of things that were tied up with the old land just had just literally vanished, vanished into the ether. It, yeah, and I thought this is like something must be done really to uh, to record it, but put down some sort of a record. Now it's, it's just a small area, and when I first wrote the book, I approached O'Brien's Press and. They said, "Well, there's not. There wouldn't be enough people interested in the book. You know, you'd be wasting your time. You know, sort of." Uh, but uh, I, I, I thought, well, if if the worst comes to it, I, I'll write the book. I'll make the record, and if the worst comes to it, I'll just give the manuscript to the local history section of the library, and just just so that something is there. Mm. So that's where I started. Now, when I started, um, I, I had vague idea what 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 had been there before. I remember the old the, the old mills before the factory Goulding's factory was built in. There were there were bits and pieces of ruins around, and of course the waterways you know clearly showed that there was kind of there had been milling there and all that. And I had a name or two. I had Daniel O'Callaghan, who had uh, owned a distillery. He, he established the first distillery in the Glen, but I didn't know much about him uh, and. Um, so I started rummaging and looking into records and came across some old leases. And, and I was actually surprised to find that um, the earliest mills were dated from the early part of the 18th century. And uh, 
there, there, there were two developments, really. There was the, like, the Glen effectively was always divided in two. Um, in, 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 in recent years, before the, the uh, corporation took it over, before the city council took it over, um, it, it had been owned privately by Gouldings on one half, and then up the other half, there was a family called Rice who owned the second half of it. But back before the Rices and the Gouldings, it had been... The, Dodges Glen. It, it was Dodges Glen, and Dodges owned, but Dodges only owned the lower half of the Glen. Yes. And the upper half of the Glen was owned by a series of people, um, among them uh, O'Connor, a fellow called Darby O'Connor, mm. or Darby Connor, sorry. And um, so the... Um, so the very first mills were, that were established were in the very par early part of the 18th century. I have leases um, dating to 1720, but uh, these leases are renewals of leases. So that means that the leases had existed before that. Mm. Um, so from really the beginning of the, seven, of the 18th century, the, um, there had been two sets of mills. Dodge had his mills down at the lower end, Blackpool end, and Connor had his mills up on the, the Balavalan end. And then in the course of time, these things, Dodges actually lasted for a hundred years, almost exactly a hundred years. The Dodge family far, uh, built head mills. They actually started with one mill, but they ended up with three different mills. Uh, and- um, Well, let, let me stop you for a moment, Jared Rice, because I have a few questions that I'd, I'd yes. like to maybe piece out and, and we'll, we'll, We'll get we'll get to it and work our way up the Glen, if you will. <laughs> but historically yeah. speaking, at least. Yeah. So I'm not originally from Cork. Um, I mean, I know I know the Glen. I know the Glen River Park. I wouldn't have had any knowledge of. I mean, obviously, any area you know can have all sorts of. There's no evidence of of what went before yeah. there. Really, there might be some things that I'm sure you'll be able to draw out in time that people could poke around and see and find and and connect with what was there. But it's a it, it it's a beautiful river park now that I think still has much further potential mm. um, in it. Uh, but I think you actually you also you, well, sorry. Firstly, are you are you a a, a, a historian, an amateur historian, a Yes, academic. I, uh... I, am, I am an academic. Yes, I, I, I uh, my subject is really English, but I've always been drawn to the historical side of English. Mm -hmm. So all my my um, my postgraduate um, degrees are all in nineteenth century uh, literature, Irish, mm -hmm. Irish and English nineteenth um, century literature. And I was I've always been interested in the historical side of the of um, of literature, and that just naturally kind of mm -hmm. spilled out into kind of history uh, as such. And, and is then, this your first publication or are there, are there others? It, no, I, 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 I dabble in creative writing as well. And uh, so I've written two, two, um, two novels. And the last, the last novel that I wrote was, in fact, I, I, I kind of I've come into local history in a kind of an odd way because I, I live in Athenry now. And Athenry is quite a historic. Uh, it's the only walled town in the Irish Republic, the only medieval wall town in on the island of ireland actually uh, remaining presumably uh it, it, with with all its walls yes intact yeah i mean there yes. are a lot of, of towns. Like carlingford would have been one and kilkenny and cork, cork and yeah yeah they all had little bits of walls but mm. i right, actually is 80 percent. i didn't know it really that's well yeah. that's yeah that, that, that will draw me there uh in the near future <laughs> yeah so i i started i with history and i had some stories of the and was uh, the ford of the king jared is it ford of the kings yeah i know is very interesting we'll go off on a tangent mm. that way but what's really interesting about that in Rye is that it was always a crossing point between trade traveling north south and trade traveling east west. And so it was originally, you know, like in Celtic times, it was the Ford of the Kings, was this thing. In Norman times, the, the Normans built uh, their, their fort there because that controlled north south, north south east west. And then in the 19th century, when they built the railways, Athen Rye became the major uh, uh, changing point for north south east west railways and then the railways went by the board mm. and along come the motorways and lo mm. and behold the two main motorways uh, the one going going intersect um, yeah intersect at athen rye so it's it's always that it's always been that crossing point between yeah. things on what side of the river did the normans build their castle I, i'm guessing on the on the midland on the inland side and uh, not, not on yeah, I, I literally on the banks of it, it, it would be technically, I think, on the north side of the river. But right. um, but the, the river is like the river flows east-west. The river mm. flows into Galway. Right. 
So, um, oh right, it, okay. So it's the it's it's not the Shannon that Athenry is oh, no, on. No, 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 no. So it's a quite a small river actually. Oh. But it was a it was just a fort. You see, if you take into account um, the terrain around it, there's a lot of marshy areas and a lot of things. You know, it was a kind of a solid, safe way to to cross the river at that point because. Okay, you, we uh, we might get back to Athenry because I, <laughs> yeah. I could delve further. Uh, yeah. But you're a born Cork man, and, and well, when's the last time? When's the last time you lived in Cork? Or I lived in Cork up to the time the destruction of the house in gotcha. the 1980s. Uh, and and, and uh, literally, from what you said, you almost needed to flee from the house because it was getting oh, like. Was actually, yours? Was that ho house the only dwelling really in the Glen that that you came across there, historically? There were, there were two. Yeah. Well, there there were there were uh, okay. Um, our, our address was Glen House, Goulding's Glen. Yeah. Uh, now, there was another Glen house which was uh, lived in by Professor Alice Fleischmann. The, yes, um, yes. Um, and, and that house is on is closer to the Balavalan Road. So that was Glen House, Balavalan. Gotcha. And I actually discovered a third Glen house, <laughs> which had been Dodge's original house, which was right down near Spring Lane. Right. But that 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 house was gone since the 19th century. So, mm. in the 20th century, mm. you had two Glen houses, in fact, and they were the only two houses in the Glen. Um, and, and up to the 50s, I mean, would Dylan's Cross have been the extent of of the urban footprint of the city that reached up towards the Glen, or how close? In the 50s, yeah, Dylan's Cross would pretty much have been the and Blackpool. Then down yeah, the further the, end, the, the where our house was, the the river just. It, the 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 river that flows through the glen still flows through the glen. Uh, in our day, that was actually the city limits. Right. So, in fact, our front we had two gardens in front of the house. One of them around the house, <laughs> and that was in the country, and across the river. And the second garden was in the city. So we had. <laughs> we'll go to the city garden for the afternoon, Father. Will we? It looks beautiful. I mean, the pictures of the house in terms of it looks it, like natural and verdant and wonderful and. Um, uh, I, but I think historically, like, so I'm going to ask you about geographically the what you know about, or geologically maybe about the formation of the Glen and, and what it is, um, yeah. because I think you referenced it. It's, it's almost at the at the end of a of a retreating glacier, and and then yeah. a, and then a different form of um, rock, uh, effectively upon which the city's on. Um, but also then just about how in the past actually it was the lower end of the Glen was was more forested than the upper end because I'm presuming you know. With a lower population and down through the hundreds of years, it must have been it must have been fully tree um, tree covered and, and a natural wonderland, as hopefully it's still considered to be now and and into the future. Yeah, actually, a curious thing about the the modern Glen is that all the trees are now in the in the the mm. east side, mm. and there are practically very few trees in the west side. Mm. Whereas it was the other way around mm. uh, up to the up to the First World War, actually. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, well, geologically speaking, it, it, the Glen was actually formed by um, a glacier. Uh, and there, there are masses uh, of tons of uh, sand and gravel uh, all around the, the um, yeah, almost, almost all the, the north side of the Glen is actually formed by gravel deposits. And a lot of the south side of the, of the Glen is also formed by gravel deposits, but, but there's also a huge uh, rock outcrop and, and that rock outcrop is actually the same rock that forms Patrick's Hill mm. uh, and goes right down to the River Lee on the other side because they the railway tunnel goes had to tunnel right through that rock it took them seven years to do that, to mm. that railway tunnel in the in the 1850s so um the um yeah so so that that effectively I think the reason why how the Glen actually came is that the glacier pushed its way through, hit the rock, <laughs> and kind of went rounded perhaps a bit, and then gradually, uh, at the end of the ice age, melted and travelled backwards up and deposited all its its uh, its gravel there. So that's because mm, it because it is a very interesting feature that that's now part of the urban landscape, and and as yeah. we know, is the Glen River Park. And as I say, I still think I know a friend of mine, Joe Kelly. Um, was involved with the city council running sort of uh, music events in there in recent years. And like, there's just so much potential for the Glen River Park. And it's, I think it's far less abused these days than it has been in the past. But, you know, that yes. is a little bit where your story reaches up to that point where it got a bit abandoned and left and and, ne and needed, to, you know, it was, it was nearly on life support. Yeah, I think the Glen, I, I suppose, the Glen survived uh, as long as the, the population in the area remained low. Uh, the old Glen then, yeah, once the population, like, I mean, they, they built um, 
I think it was around the best part, I think about 1500 or, or thereabouts. I remember at the time, I remember the headlines at the time saying 2000 houses, but it was less than actually 2000 houses. But that was 2000 families that were suddenly kind of inhabiting what were just fields that we used to wander through, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, you had a, like, the Glen was always kind of a, a there was always a, a, a large degree of anarchy in the Glen. You know, mm -hmm. it was, um, it it was kids would go down there you know their mothers would throw them out especially during the summer holidays didn't want them around the house they'd chuck them out <laughs> go away and they'd go wandering down the glen getting up to all sorts of mischief mm. you know mm. some of them got to mischief some of them didn't you know but mm. um but uh but anything could happen in the glen you know it's mm. just that that i suppose maybe uh, maybe maybe it was lack of imagination they didn't get up to too much mischief yeah. you know oh well i did i just some of the stories you had about <clears throat> Where there were abandoned cars and the roofs were taken off them and they yeah. were turned into floats and, uh, oh, yeah. and rafts and yeah. I, I remember rafting and those yeah they were they were great they were grand as long as you didn't stand at the edge they went straight down <laughs> the water came in you know yeah. but uh, yeah I mean it was there was fantastic inventiveness you know there were, people would come up with all sorts of of uh, of of ideas you know and, and uh, try them out down the glen you know um, so there was um, yeah it, it, and I mean it, it, there was a it was associated with sport. Mm. Um, and even like back in the in the day when when the hunts used used to take place mm. in the vicinity of Cork, you know, mm. the part of the hunt would traverse, you know, mm. part of the wherever the fox went. But mm. the, you know, the, the, you find it in um, the local newspaper reports, you know, they'll they'll have a bit about the hunt, you know, and mm. usually there'd be a bit about them crossing the glen at some point or other. Well, I mean, it's an interesting piece yeah. of land isn't it a piece piece yeah. of ground yeah. um, so let's let's bring us to the book then and where you where you start from so you you know where you was there a particular reason you went to 1700 to well i know the 1980 is to bring it up to the point prior to it being brought sort of brought back to life as the glen river, river park yeah. really but yeah. where, where where did you land upon 1700 as your start point well what, 1700 was 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 the the earliest record that i was able to gotcha. find definitely you know, the history does go back a bit further. It, it was owned by a family called Coppinger at one stage. And Coppinger is owned an enormous amount of land uh, right from West Cork right down to Yall. It was huge. They, they, they were enormous landowners. They lost most of their land because they sided with James II. Uh, and, um, but the, the Glen Coppingers or the Balavalan Coppingers managed to hold on to a large part of, of the Glen. But but there, I mean, there, there, there is other history. You could actually go back, but um, I think the history of habitation really is, is begins around somewhere close enough to where I start my book around seven. And, and what yeah. people will re realize from reading your book is that it was quite industrial in nature. It was very industrial. I mean, it, it, there were six mills, you know, uh, but they weren't all there at one time, of course. But, but um, you know, they, they yeah, and they, they, there's not a huge amount of water power there. I mean, you know, it's a river, technically speaking, but it's it's not in the winter. It can can get quite uh, it can flood quite a bit. But but in the summertime, it trickles away to practically nothing, you know, and, and uh, I guess it was the fact they could pool it, though, was it? Well, this is it. They built the dams. Uh, and um, and like the, if you go down the glen now, that great big pond in the very center of it. Mm. Well, it wasn't as big as that mm. in in its milling days, but it's still it was about half the size. That it is today, like um, the, uh, but it still held, held a substantial amount of water. And then you, through, through hatches, what they call hatches or sluice gates, mm. you, you could um, control the water then, and you could extend the the life, the working life of the mills, um, to to uh, you know pretty much most of the year round, you know. Um, and then later on, like from the middle of the nineteenth century, uh, there were two mills, one at the at the east end where uh, Fleischmann's house is today, or was, the, 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 the gardens of Fleischmann's house is still there. Um, the, the, there was a steam, like the, the, the water was supplemented by um, a steam mill, a, a steam engine. And at the other end of the glen down, down near Blackpool, there was a second uh, steam engine there assisting the water to, 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 uh, to keep the, the milling process going uh, for the, for the, full 12 months of the year. But some of the records I found uh, for the mid 19th century, the I found they like there was a mill where our house was, but it was quite a small mill. There was only two pairs of stones there, which is quite a small mill. 
but that actually only ran eight months of the year. So, um, so that gives you an idea that you know it, it was dependent really on the amount of water. And I mean, we, you know, the, the the term mill is so familiar to us all, but let's just break down what that is. That's that's grinding grain to produce flour. Is that exclusively it, or or is milling? Well, you, can do, you can do anything with mills. I mean, you, so once you had the once you had the the tor- the 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 wheel that would spin around and that could drive, you could just introduce any kind of gears you could think of. I mean, they 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 use them for stone polishing. They use it for uh, for uh, metal hammer. You know, for hammering. Uh, there was actually a a, a hammer mill uh, uh, in the Glen over near Balavalan, a small one. Um, you you could um, you know you used them for corn, obviously. You know, you could you, you could do pretty much anything. So it was a device for generating power. After which it was up to you what you wanted to do with yeah, that power was, and what you yeah, wanted to produce. The, yeah, it was effectively a, a pre-electric age generator. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, and so what what is it you discovered was there first or what's what you get from 1700? I mean, obviously, Goulding's factory's not there at that point. It's uh, No, that, so Dodge has that bit there. He's doing a bit of farming on the flat on the flat part of it. And he, he has a corn mill. And a Dodge was always associated with corn milling. Um, in fact, the lower part of the Glen was, all, was just corn milling. Uh, then in the 19th century, uh, it was uh, a distillery. But um, then in the middle of the 19th century, Goulding's bought it out, and they they it, from then on it became synonymous with fertilizer factory. Uh, the water was always part of it. In during the fertilizer process, the water was used to cool the acid, to cool to cool the acid plants. You know, because you needed the acid to break down the the to produce you, you need to produce sulfuric acid to to um, create uh, to to break down the chemicals for fertilizer, mm-hmm. and um, it was uh, yeah, they they had to they'd have cooling plants so they duck the water through, and the, the running water was perfect for that. You know, so for all the industry, it was all about the water flowing through. All the about water that, flowing. That, yeah, that's yeah. what did it. There's yeah. a number of stories of a number of characters, uh, most of whose ventures really don't work out that well for them. Uh, yeah, there, <laughs> was, there were quite a few people. Like when when I titled my book. Uh, fairies felons uh, the, 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 the fairies bit like, sort of, like, it, it was an interesting title and I kind of had a lot of soul searching and passed it around to a number of people and all that and like, well the fairies really refers to the, the fact that the original name that I discovered for the den was Glownapuka which yes. is the horse so that's the fairy bit um, the felons bit I was getting, again there was actually one felon who was uh, Brian Dillon the Fenian yes. so he was a convicted felon so he, he used to spend a lot of time uh, walking in the Glen, uh, particularly after he was re- uh, released from from prison, he, his health was broken and he pretty much nothing else to do. He just kind of used to walk down the Glen mm-hmm. and um, write poetry and stuff like that. And and uh, uh, and but but th- there were also a number of guys who had ended up in the bankruptcy court. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they weren't actually felons, but they had spent. Mm-hmm. Sometime in 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 those days, you ended up in the bankruptcy court. If it went against you, you ended up in debtor's prison until your debts were cleared. You know, you didn't get away with it. So, um, and in fact, I, I, one of the things I like, it's funny when I was researching the Glenly, I, I got into all sorts of bits of Cork history. You know, and there was a whole section in Cork prison which was set aside for debtors. You know, so they'd be treated differently from the felons and the, everybody else in there. You know, kind of, but they and every. The amount of people that ended up in debtor's prison were extraordinary. Like one of them I mentioned in the book was the he was the 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 the, the, uh, the, the vicar of uh, mm. of uh, Saint Luke's, you know, mm. and uh, and he he was dabbling in a little bit of business that went on the wrong side for him, and and he ended up in mm. in debtor's prison, you know. Mm. Um, but the 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 other fellow that well, the three of my people actually in my book end up in debtor's prison. Mm. Um, the the one that was most interesting all was this guy called Humphreys Manders, mm. who um, he bought the Glen from the Dodges, uh, and now it's not clear exactly what he whether he had specifically intended to set up a distillery there or not, but uh, he did have an uncle who was in uh, whiskey importation, so it's possible that he was the he was the first guy to start this idea. But the long and the short of it is he went bust, and he was a Quaker. And uh, the Quakers didn't like the idea of somebody going bust and running up a whole load of bills and everything else. So they threw him out. They actually mm. 
they expelled him from from the Quakers and uh, the poor guy not very friendly I I just like not to say. very friendly <laughs> so uh, he he uh, he ended up uh, he actually ended up in New York he died on the streets of New York now whether he died in mm. poverty on the streets of New York mm. or he just had a heart attack on the street is not clear but I I came across a letter from the uh, police department in New York to the police department in in Cork you know looking for more information about this chap. Humphreys Banders, who had died on the uh, died in New York, you know, but, but um, just yeah, sorry. Well, just even briefly, I mean, Coppinger sounds almost like a Huguenot name. It, it may know, not be. Coppinger's, funnily enough, apparently is a Viking name. The, oh. the Coppingers go all the way back to well before the Normans, oh. and um, they they occupy. If you go through all the rec- any of the, if, the records of, of uh, you know Cork history of Cork mm-hmm. administration. They're always aldermen or mayors or freemen or, you know, there's always a Coppinger. Almost every generation had a Coppinger representing some some part of the city. And you might have mentioned in your book that you think it might be the it might be Coppinger that cut the trees. No, uh, no, no, it wasn't Coppinger who cut the trees. It was um, it was uh, Goulding who cut the trees. Uh, well, Goulding owned them. Uh, he owned the trees as he, he he had bought the Glen from the Coppingers. So um it was he more than likely cut the trees uh, because the um, there was a shortage of uh, pit timber mm. uh, in Wales during the First World War because they they used to import it from Scandinavia, mm. and um, there were the German U-boats were were sinking any kind of of uh, supply ship coming into England. They just wanted to starve England, and so they um, they had to try to source. Their timber, local timber, is, is as locally as possible. Like, so it's timber. To hold up the mines, to get out the coal, to power all the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mentioned Coppinger because I was thinking of Manders. Is it? Is I? You know, I, I'm no, not sure it's yeah. a name that's extant anymore in. Uh, in Cork. yeah, it's, it's an unusual name. Yeah, there, there would seem to be quite a lot of them in Dublin because when I was trying to find out what happened to Manders, um, the the Quaker notes did say that he had gone to Dublin, and, and discovered several Humphreys Manders in Dublin. Now whether the it was. Mm-hmm. Humphreys Manders trying out a whole load of different things. Mm. Whether there were several of them, you know, it's it's not clear. But um, but it does seem to be a name that's more associated with Dublin. Mm. I mean, now, I know there's a Bally Landers, but uh, that's that's yeah, not that's, yeah, that's, that's not Manders. No, no that uh, that's uh, that's another yeah. That's yeah. It. Now um, the thing about uh, uh, Manders is that Manders' daughter married. Uh, William yes, Goode. this is what I was going to ask you about. There's a couple of generations later, they they might be out to try to vindicate him. The, 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 that's it's very. I mean, the, I actually I'm pretty conv- convinced that the reason why Goulding's bought the Glen when it came up was so that Goulding's, in fact, settled the right. They wanted to settle an old score that had been outstanding. Uh, you know, to to kind so of Mander's daughter married a Goulding. She married a Goulding, and then the first uh, William Goulding, the fir- the guy who first set up the factory was uh Manders uh, grandson right so so um, and, and they like she she married like curiously enough that the Goulding she married was from Burr but but uh, then they moved back to Cork again she convinced them somehow like yeah. all Cork people there's no you you oh, yeah. you, you need to live where I am <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't get out of Cork no. well, um uh, what did I want to hang on? Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. I wanted to go back to the Glen Napuka because, I mean, yeah. tr- you know, Puka, ghost, but it's a specific type of ghost. Is it? Is it a yeah, ghost a on a horse, horse or something? Yeah. A fairy, fairy horse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a he was a, a, a malevolent. Well, most of the stories, he seemed to be pretty malevolent. You didn't if you met him. He he did all sorts of things to you, you know. He, he, now is this is this this specific one, or whenever you see puka in Irish stories or literature, does it mean a, a, a puka? Yeah, yeah. It means a fairy horse. Yes, yes, yeah. It does. And, and there's a very interesting. Uh, there was there was a controversy there a few years ago about the sculptor who did a a puka for uh, Ennis Diamond. Correct. Yeah. It was yeah. huge, yeah. huge opposition to it. People were 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 outraged at yeah. it. Said it was and it was a fantastic sculpture too. It was a fantastic sculpture, mm-hmm. and I think it really summed up the kind of just looking at it. You kind of you got the yeah. I know what the puka is because mm-hmm. that's what he, he kind of looked like. You know, kind of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It, it was uh, it was a very good sculpture. I think. I, I thought yeah yeah I, I was I interacted with him on Twitter around that time about it um, because yeah. it was it was it was so curious they wouldn't want an artwork as impressive as yeah. that in yeah. the town. But but it was uh, over tradition or it was over superstition. 
Yeah. Um, Perhaps you know, it does, but, because, but I mean, they well, say... Well, just to some degree of, we, you know, it's a bad, bad cess. Like, we don't want that in, like, <laughs> the Puka's not bringing good luck, lads. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, well, one of the, the things I, I read about it was that they were they were giving out, and they were saying, well, the Puka was never associated with Ennis Diamond. Oh, I that's it. Oh, the, we we love nothing. We love nothing to do with that. <laughs> I don't think there's a townland in Ireland that doesn't have a. Yeah. Well, there's Carrigapuka then, which is near now. What is the McCroom Bypass? And sorry, I thought you were going to mention that around the controversy because I think there was some controversy about how close it was passing to those historical ruins, or 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 oh, some yeah. perhaps some objection o- o- over that. But yeah, so the Puka. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back and look at that sculpture. It's worth having a look at because it is a very yeah. impressive yeah. Uh, uh, work. So the Glaunapuka. Gl- okay. Well, that'll be enough to. Do you know what? And you know what? Some like you'd almost wonder like, was it a way in the past of keeping, keeping, um, keeping kids out of a dangerous place? <laughs> it could have been. It could have been because because if you imagine like the 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 part of the Glen that was called. Well, I think perhaps the whole Glen was called Glaunapuka, but. The part of the land that is that I know for certain was called Launapuka is the lower half of it, the part that was wooded. And if you imagine, like that's where the glen gets very narrow. It's very steep and very narrow. Mm. And if you if you add trees to that, it, it really, it probably was pretty spooky there, you know. Mm. And, and, and God yeah. knows what sort of characters were in there. Yeah, exactly, and there were characters because I, I I mentioned that a little bit in the, about yeah. that in the book about guys that were that were arrested for. For vagrancy and stuff like that, just to hang out in the Glen, and they, they, and the Fenians, of course, hid hid uh, weapons there, and and uh, there was also, you know, it was all, it was a place of subversion, really, kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, with good reason, um, or you know, as in, it's 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 a good spot for all sorts of things. Um, I mean, well, you mentioned you mentioned the mills and the, and the distilling and and Humphrey Manders. Uh, are there more elements to 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 sift through before we go to the Goulding's? Because I'd be interested to know, like, where that was site. It, it ended like I mean, the the aerial view of it that you have in the book. I mean, I'll dig it out while you're talking and and show it uh, for anyone that might be uh, watching this video as opposed to listening to the podcast. Um, it was a huge. It ultimately ended up as a huge industrial complex. And is it on what is now the North Ring Road that dips down into? Blackpool? Yeah, it's under it. <laughs> it's under it. Uh, it. I was I was amazed actually when I went back uh, to um, yeah that that's the factory now that that's a now the North Ring Road practically crosses over the the if you look at the picture there on the towards the the center um, the centerfold there the the North Ring crosses practically a third of of the factory that's there. But I, I was amazed how little of the factory. You, is you, that Spring Lane then that runs, yes, runs around it there? A Spring Lane and Balavalan Road there, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And but if you you because you can practically walk entirely around uh, the site of the factory because the the ring road goes up one side, the Spring Lane goes up the other side, and you you can you can just make out there are parts of the old old stone walls which were originally the the distillery walls, um, but um, but they they continue to be the walls of the factory. But um, you, that's about all that that's that's uh, that's standing. You, you, there's, there isn't a building standing I, um, anymore. It was a dense. And, 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 I, and I think that's a little bit of what you feel a sadness with. I think that comes in at the end of the book. And I, I think you actually, you know, you you slightly underplay it, even though it seems like it p- potentially is the motivation for the piece in the first place. Is that it's a shame that so much happened and so little is there to document it. Yeah, I, I do think it's it, like when when we were when we were living there, when my parents were alive, and um, the the first the idea of you know a formal that then become it was always an unofficial public park, you know, but. The idea of it becoming a formal public park was first mooted, and the um, the they brought in this this uh, 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 landscape architect um, to to assess it, uh, and uh, they followed a lot of his plans. But his original plans was that all the buildings that were still standing at that stage, about 1969, I'd say 1970, that all the buildings that were still standing were to be converted and used uh, for museums or, or, or um, sort of social space or anything like that, you know, and they, and none of them were, were, uh, were protected and they were, they were just allowed to, to be destroyed through neglect, you know, so it, that, that was a pity because um, I, I, I don't know, it, it's, it's, um, 
I mean, I, well, I love old houses and, and uh, things, you know, and I love this. You, you have a, a standing structure. You kind of always want to know what's the story, you know. Mm, yep. Lived in it. Why was it there? When was it built? You know, kind of. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the park, it, well, it, it serves a, a modern function, mm. but it, it doesn't pay any, any attention or any, any regard to, to the historical origins. And I, I, I got one of my little soapboxes or bandwagons is <laughs> that idea of, of um, like, we're terrible in this country for pulling everything down and starting again. You know, we move into a site and rip everything out mm. and, and then put up this great big glass and steel structure. Mm. And, and that's, that's all very fine. But, you know, if you go to, to real cities, you know, if you go to famous cities like Rome, if you go to Ro Rome, is a great example, but every city in Italy is like this. And you walk down the, the, the city through the streets, you'd find bits of like bits of Roman kind of arches or, or pillars or something sticking out of a 19th century building. You know, so stuff was 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 integrated. You know, they they kind of use it and they build a space that they build around it. And, and you, so you you were aware all the time of of the the kind of the layers of history. You know, and and I think that that's very important for a society because for a society to work, it has to cohere. And and one of the things that makes a society cohere is is its identification with place and with, you know, uh, you know, to, to know that it, it's actually part of a tradition, you know, and, and tearing all of that stuff out and putting up a big new glass structure, which has no tradition mm. is a good way to assist in the breakdown of society. You know, mm. I, I, I think that. that or that's... to erode the, the sense of place and the connection with place. Yeah. And once you do that, you see, if you have no connection with place, then people don't care. You know, they don't care. They can might as well be here or they might as well be somewhere else. You know, mm. that might suit that. Well, it does suit um, uh, capitalism. It suits, you know, not anti-capitalism, you know, but, mm. but it does suit the capitalist idea that you have a mobile workforce and you just shift mm. them here, shift them there. Mm. You know, you have them today, they're making trousers and tomorrow they're, mm. you know, you know, making Viagra. You know, it's just, mm. it doesn't matter. You know, kind of move them around. They're just mm. machines, you know. But it, but, it, but community is more than capitalism. Community is more than its financial structure. You know, community is, like, we were communities long before we discovered capitalism. Mm. And the reason why we're successful, I think, as human beings is because we have a sense of community. Mm. And if you break that community down, mm. then, you know, what happens then? You know, and, and I don't think, it doesn't lead to quality of life, you know, it, it 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 erodes the quality of life. Mm. So anyway, that's that's my. <laughs> mm. It makes me think of the. I know there's a section of the old Cork City Wall uh, viewable in in Bishop Lucy Park, uh, mm. but there's also a section underneath the slipway up to the uh, multi-story car park at the back of Duns um, onto what is it? Is it Lavitz Key? Maybe that it's back out onto yeah. the back of the Coal Cay kind of so between between North Main Street and. And uh, Corn Market Street is, is that is that Lavitz Key that that runs there? But the back of Dunn Store is there, uh, underneath the slip up into the multi-story car park. You can go in under, and it's horrible in there. But there's, you know, the old city walls are in that. That's what got done to them there. And there's an also an art. So if you know the Gate Cinema at the top of North Main Street, yep. There's an apartment complex just a, opposite from on the corner. In behind that, which is where all the bins are stored uh, for the back of Dunn's, which was, or maybe Dunn's has gone from there actually now, but what had been the delivery section backing out onto the river. Um, there's this incredibly ornate archway door dated 18 something or other that got built around as opposed to, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a feature that ought to be a, a thing of pride and it just got hidden behind a building in where the bins are. Yeah, there's a huge amount of cynicism uh, on the part of a lot of architects, um, you know, with that, you, you, you know, something is preserved, you know, this, like, technically speaking, this, this item is preserved, or has to be preserved. So then they'll build around it, but they'll build around it in a way which, 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 which reduces it in every possible way. And the, the, the really good example is the, the house on Lavitz Key that used to be Sean O'Fallon's uh, house, you know, and they, the way they built, like they kept the facade. And then they built this huge modern glass structure above it. You know, mm. it goes up to both sides of it and across the top of it. It's like a joke. 
That was Sean. Well, actually, I was thinking of that building when you were talking about integrating buildings. And I was like, obviously, that was some effort of that. But it was like, let's just plonk a giant structure on top of it and say we've preserved it. Yeah, exactly. And I that mean, was Sean of Whalen's house. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, that's just, so Curl's Key is the one I'm thinking of. Curl's Key, the one that is the one that's further up then, if, if that's uh, Lavitz Key. Well, Lavitz Key, Bachelor's Key, I think is after that. Um, so is the, I think it's Bachelor's Key. Is the, well, Bachelor's Key goes around towards the Mercy, Mercy Hospital. Might be another one in there in the middle. Could be. Uh, my, hang, on. hang on, I will have it there now. Yeah, my geography of Cork is getting very rusty. <laughs> there you go. Well, I do traffic info on the uh, on the on the drive show every evening, so I should know them inside out. But actually, some of those keys sometimes now are, are a bit tricky. But I have the Google Maps. So we'll go straight in here now, and the North Main Street is on Curls Key. Oh, Woo! Yes, Curls yeah. Key. Yeah, and yeah. it's um. Yeah, there's a Supermax and Papa John. So that building in behind that, if anyone is interested, uh, if you have a route around by the pins, well, you won't even need to route around. You'll just see this beautiful, ornate structure that um, should have been. You know what? Even if they'd lifted it from its site and placed it into something, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, look, that's... that's. The, 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 I mean, the thing is that you, if you're an architect, you're supposed to be a person of imagination. Mm. And if you have a problem, you should be able to solve it, mm. you know, you know, aesthetically and, and inventively. Uh, and it seems to me that that it's just this just just rampant cynicism, you know. That that's that's afoot. You know, there, there's Goulding's not... uh, plant uh, ran into some difficulty in its in its early years with the local residents due to oh. the noxious odors. Yes, yes, that that was uh, that was notorious. Um, they they, uh, they they were there was quite there was there was a huge amount of opposition uh, to to it. Um, I actually. Well, I, I came across some bits and newspapers and other which I included in my book, but um, there's another uh, there's a there's a girl who actually did a, a, her I think she did a master's thesis on um, on Goulding's, and uh, she goes into it much more into the the uh, the amount of opposition that that uh, that there was to to the um, sighting of it. It wasn't just, I mean, originally he was grinding bones down, so that must have would have had its own stink, you know. For the, but uh, I think the the once they started using sulfuric acid, uh, and the um, the the smell was kind of the the it was the possibly it it, it could also be uh, that that the the real opposition was to the unfamiliarity of chemical smells, you know that that mm. they would not only be noxious and. Unpleasant, but they were also something completely unexperienced by, mm. by people mm. up to that point. So they would mm. probably have reacted even more uh, strongly against it. Mm. It's surprising, actually, to see how much opposition there was to to uh, to the, the kind to of what presumably brought considerable employment to the area. Yeah, 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 and 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 uh, and to sort of to the environment, you know, to environmental that what was considered environmental mm. damage. You know, uh, although there were people actually, there were practical reasons because. The but um, Old Spring Lane uh, was uh, was a huge um, market garden area right through the nineteenth century, it, well into the twentieth century. There was enough, there was a, a lot of uh, fruit and vegetables grown there, and um, the the residue the the the, the acid would come up the chimney and just form a cloud and then settle back down and it was burning the leaves of the trees of the apple trees and, st and stuff like that. So. Um, and, and they, the the fruit growers took a, an action against Goulding's and and they won. They they actually won their case and Goulding's had to compensate them for it. I presume the Spring Lane refers to a spring somewhere in the vicinity, but then again, the Glen River was very close to it, so there was presumably uh, there's also spring, there are springs all along there. Yeah, there, there are springs. Um, the the uh, the when I, when I was a kid, you know, especially. You know, once the rain started, you know, you'd walk up the Glen from what I'd, I'd walk to school, up to Patrick's School in Dills Cross, and you'd walk up and, you know, as as the winter came in, the, you'd, you'd have you'd have springs coming up, trickling down <laughs> all over the place. All over. Uh, yeah. Leaking out of the rock. Tell me a couple of stories, too, about... um. Because, like, you know, the Glen at nighttime would be a spooky enough sort of place, and uh, your house was in the middle of it. And yeah. I think, were you sent out to fetch your sister at some point? Just have to, yeah, my sister wouldn't. There was come one down. lamp. There was one lamp somewhere in the middle of it. There, there, there was, you know, there was one lamp at the top of the, at the, at the at, up near Dillon's Cross. Because, okay. yeah. well, let, let me ask something for you now, because because the way in I know is the, the old. I, I'm not sure if it's still functioning, but Keating's fitted furniture, um, yeah. right up on on. I suppose that's Ballyvalan Road, is it? Yes. And that's yes. sort of the entry point into the Glen River Park now. There's a sort of a, a windy 
windy way down into it. So how does that all connect up with how it was? The, 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 you can actually trace the original entrance. Now, that wasn't the official entrance to the Glen um, in the old days. That, that, there was a, there was a, there's a house still there called Carragal House. It's mm. there just at the just up from that fitted factory, the, the derelict factory there. Uh, and uh, they, so they had a farm. So you, there's a, there was a path through the farmyard, mm. which took you down into the Glen and and it took you down to um, into Fleischmann's house, Professor Fleischmann's house, which mm. is just at the end of that windy, mm. that, that zigzag mm. path. Mm. Down. Um, so uh, but you, you went down, but that wasn't actually the 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 official way. You, 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 we wouldn't go that way because you, the, there wasn't a true road for a start mm. there. The, the road to our house went up the hill and then crossed what we call the Black Patches, where the sports fields are now. Mm. You know? mm. And it came out, and it, and the, that lane is still there. It's now called, well, it, it was always officially called Sunview, Sunview East. There's a wide... Well, hang on, seeing as I can't believe it didn't do this earlier, actually, seeing as I have the Google Maps open, I can look at the whole thing here. Um yeah, well, Ballyhooley Road, and there's Cargal House. Yeah, I see it. And there's the zigzag path down into the Glen River Park, and the Ballyvaland service station's obviously up up over there. And she's they built a big housing estate right into it, so that yeah. wouldn't have been there off North Ring Road. Yeah, no, that, that, Riverview that, Estate. Yeah, there was nothing, nothing there. If you come back now towards Dillon's Cross, mm. yeah. you'll see there's there's another uh, there's another roadway. Uh, if you, you if you go back to Cargal House and then. Come back up towards Dillon's Cross. Yeah, you'll see there's a, a wide uh, roadway going, and it's called it's called Sunview East. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Sunview Place East. Yeah, yeah. That now that was the entrance to the Glen. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and there is still a path from the end of that down there's in there. Path, yeah, but you, but you, we are we we that's, that's and there's the Glen Resource Centre. Yeah, and Glen Community Gardens still still in front of it there actually now as well. Yeah. Okay. And so none of that would have been there. So the Glen would have been even bigger than than what its current footprint is, obviously. Yeah, it's been eaten away in bits and pieces, yes. Mm. yes yeah. mm. Jeez. Um, how was the reaction to the book? What, how, what did, did it feel like, were you scratching an itch in a way? Because even you spoke about how you couldn't walk through the Glen because in a way, obviously you were so disappointed and disgusted at what had happened to it. Yeah, well, I, yeah I, I couldn't. I, 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 I just... I just couldn't go back there. You know, once once I knew the house had been destroyed and everything like that, I, I couldn't couldn't go back there. I never never wanted to go back there. Mm. And um and it was that was helped by the fact that I didn't live in Cork anymore, of mm. course. Mm. Um but when I'd be back in Cork, I, I often thought about going back. I said, No, I couldn't bear to go back. Mm. And um I wrote the book first. <laughs> uh, and um then I made contact with made May Fleischman, who I didn't know her that well when I was growing up, but we were not that far apart in age, and we knew each other, but we weren't sort of friends or anything. But um, she, she like Maeve, is a very, um, you know, no nonsense kind of person. She says, "Oh, for goodness' sake, come on, I'll take you for a walk down the Glen." You know, so so we we went down, and it it wasn't nearly as traumatic as I'd expected. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah. Actually, now that I've read the the full book, I'm looking back at the Ordnance Survey map of 1869 that's in there, and that does give me a good idea of what you've been talking about, how the western half was the 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 less, well, I mean, it's got gravel pits and it's got the, the big mill pond, and there's, then the, the eastern part. half, the more narrow part, is all forested in this uh, OS uh, map from 1869 and, yeah. and leading down into Blackpool, so you get a better idea of it. And it's now that end of the Glen that's all the, the forested area and and the lower end that's all uh, sparse and um and steep but they they you 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 reckon somewhere along the way someone did try to plant trees there but possibly the wrong ones they couldn't quite root in the shallow soil they were a disaster anyway whatever happened i remember they the uh, there were attempts to to plant trees there and um I, I, the the upshot of it was that that uh, there were huge landslides the the gravel just uh, they 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 loosened the gravel to put the trees in, and then that that when when the rains came, it just washed them down. We, I I remember one particular day we were we were cut off completely because we couldn't we couldn't get out. <laughs> we Good landslides. Could walk out, but you couldn't go out by car because the the roads had been filled in by um, a gravel slide. And you you mentioned a story in it. Um... Well, actually, I loved. I may, may as well reference this as well because that was a, an interesting one too. Just, to, I mean, I'm I, I can't quite recall how it connected to the Glen as such, but it's the story of Daniel. Ago oh, because it's Callahan. Yes, Daniel Augustus Callahan. Yeah, and the um, 
A silhouette artist and professional painter called Stephen O'Driscoll claimed to have witnessed a, a, a particular scene and rushed home to make a picture of it. Yes, yes. Um, I'll, I'll hand the story of it over, over to you. Well, um, yeah, well, the, the story goes that, that uh, Daniel Callan, he, he, was, he was one of the richest men in, in Cork at the time. So he's coming out from after lunch in the Victoria Hotel and he dropped a gold coin. And the gold coin rolled away, but before he could go and pick it up, Father Matthew came along, put his foot on it, picked it up and handed it to the nearest beggar. So <laughs> <laughs> you half forget that Father Matthew was a real person, you know, yeah. you just there's the street, there's the statue, you know, and then you're like, oh, yeah, actually, there was a there was a fellow used to walk around who was Father Matthew yeah. uh, and did so much actually to actually that's interesting as well. I mean, I think there was a post famine impact on um uh, on the Glen, it was on the distilling in terms of there being less people um, to consume the products. And then there was Father Matthew's temperance movement, which obviously also diminished demand. Yes, there, there, there was, um, it was, it was quite interesting. Well, quite a lot, there were a lot of distilleries at the beginning of the 18th century, uh, the 1800s in Ireland. Um, uh, and uh, quite a few of them went bust. In fact, they all very, very early on, uh, well, very early in the in the 19th century were amalgamated into what we now know as Irish distillers. Mm. But there were there were there were six or seven independent distilleries. But the the um a number of things apparently happened. One was the well the population diminished, so there weren't so many people around. The the other was that for some reason or other people changed their drinking habits. They drank more beer and porter mm. than, than whiskey. Uh, and and then of course there was the temperance movement as well, which which kind of came mm -hmm. along. And and then of course to add, to, well there was there were other things. And what happened? The Glen Distillery was, the Glen Distillery was really um, depending on the export market. They were exporting to London, mm. and um, you know the market fell off for one reason or other. So there was a, there was a change. I suppose that the change in consumption of um, of whiskey wasn't just an Irish thing, you know, because porter is actually an English drink. You know, it's mm. called porter after because it's what the porters used to drink. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a, it, it actually began as a drink in England, as far as I as far as I know. Mm. Um, but um, the the uh, so the, the, there was a fall off basically in the consumption of whiskey. And then of course the other thing uh, it didn't never struck me as you know particularly. I, I had come across it before, but. Um, when I was doing the research, was the then the effect of you know people talk about the famine and all the people that died and all the rest of it you know which is it's true and it's a tragedy but what what nobody ever talks about is that there was a massive economic recession mm. because uh, there were people like the poor died but mm. the the rich and the and the semi rich had lost loads and loads of money so they weren't spending. So there was effectively, you know, there was no money cut being spent in the economy. So there was a, a huge drop in in uh, economic activity. Economic activity, you know. So and had they lost wealth over uh, lost rent from yes. physically the people not there to pay them? Yes. Well, well, I mean, in the story of of um, of uh, um, what's his name, um, or, or vicar in in Saint Luke's. Um, a, he he couldn't pay his debts because his brother was underwriting his debts and his brother was a landowner mm. but the brother had no money because he wasn't getting any rents mm. so so the brother was short of cash so mm. the vicar was short of cash so mm. he went, ends up in debtor's prison all added on and people obviously you know the, the people that he didn't pay they were short of cash as well so yeah you know, it's well, kind that's of on all the way down you see yeah yeah, the vicious uh, cycles as they as, as they take hold. Um, I, I remember, like when I was doing uh, my literary research, I did some work on on a, an Irish writer called Charles Lever, mm. and I was he's a nineteenth century writer, and and I, one of his uh, one of his letters that I came across, he was complaining that his books weren't selling as well because of the famine. You know, so so like that is another indication of the economic recession that mm. people. They didn't have spare cash to go buying mm. novels, you know, so that the writers suffered from it, yeah. Yeah, the, the broad impact of it all it must have been, it, it, it's hard to even countenance what a cataclysm it was for Irish society and uh, yeah. has influenced all of Ireland's modern history from there. It has, yeah. It has you know, a, um, yeah. So much of what happened 
uh, post it uh, was in some way connected and tied to it uh, and as a response to it yes. in, in lots of ways. Yeah, um, but it, I, I think that, you know, people focus on, I suppose, what's the kind of, the kind of upfront uh, tragedy or the, the kind of, the, the kind of, the, the the gory details you know mm. people dying but but it, it it's uh, what what people don't really consider is is the huge effect of it the overall the, the mm. national effect mm. you know there were people who weren't affected by hunger at all but mm. they still felt the the uh, the after effects of the of the famine you know mm. financially and so on mm. um you know, I think you start the story with sitting, you're sitting on a part of Goulding's factory, but what you're sitting on was probably the, the, you know, the wall of the, of the old mill and, 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 and all the, you know, you spoke about the layers of history in our conversation already. And, uh, and, and at the end of the book, you do reference the, the disappointment you feel at how there is this lovely place there now that makes no reference whatsoever to anything that um, went before uh, your book, in fairness to you, goes some way to, documenting that and putting that down in, in firm uh, sorry what was the reaction to it or or, or you know uh, you've got it in it's in the cork city library it exists it, it it's it's put together um fairies felons and fine gentlemen a history of the glen 1700 to 1980 jared martin o'brien uh, where can people get it yeah you can get it um from waterstones you can get it from vibes and scribes or you can get it directly from us. I have my own publishing company. It's called bluehorsepress.net. Uh, uh, sorry, bluehorsepress.ie. And uh, you, you, can, you can send us an email and we can, we can send you one. But has it scratched the itch, shall we say? I mean, the fact that you got, you, that you, you, I know you were chastised somewhat by, by Mrs. Fleischman to, to, oh, come on now, get, get over it now, have a walk down. How did you, how, you know, you didn't, you know, feel the, the I don't know, I suppose you, 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 I don't know, you were anticipating feeling, um I don't know, what what actually, what were you anticipating that you might feel that, that kept you from going down? Uh, well, it, it wasn't as I was anticipating feeling, I suppose I just didn't want to, it, it was a bit like, I suppose, like a wound, you know, mm. that, that's, uh, you just don't want to uncover it because mm. you're just going to, you know, going to suffer you know the same sense of of kind of loss you know i i, I mean curiously enough uh, for for a psychologist probably have great fun with this one but um i i i i still dream of the glen mm. uh, and uh, funnily enough since i wrote the book not so much you know or at mm. least yeah. since I wrote the book there have been different dreams but yes um but you know i i sort of dream of the place and i sort of go back and i sort of i'd find myself for some reason or other back yeah. in the yeah. and the house would be kind of there or half there or yeah. half repaired or you know as you know and it's kind of that that this kind of was this recurring dream you know which which i've had for you know 40 odd years yeah. uh, so it it uh, it kind of obviously deeply influenced yeah. me was yeah. it? Well, I mean, it was, it. it was, I mean, to actually grow up there. It was such a curious place to to live, like to be within a glen. I suppose you weren't surrounded by the city at that point, but you're right at the edge of the city. Well, as you said yourself, you're right on the borderline of the city. Yeah, you, you were, and, and um, it it was, I mean, there was, there were good and bad things about mm. it. Yeah, you said sometimes it could feel like you were a bit sort of, not under attack, but like oh, yeah. anybody could be coming out of the darkness from anywhere to, yeah. And that's why I was getting the story off you to go up and collect your sister. Sorry, we drifted off then onto a bit of the roads and where we were. And so we actually missed that. So yeah. the lamppost was up at the entrance in. Yeah. So that was it. The last lamp. And they were all tungsten bulbs. So they didn't really stretch. They'd only, you'd only get about 50 feet of light. Mm. Out of them, you know, mm. uh, so you, when, when you went to the glen, it was dark. It was <laughs> pitch. Yeah. In a way that people don't really realize if you live in an urban environment. And even, even, I mean, I live in, I live, just outside that, right now, it's, there's very few houses around here, but, but you know, it never gets dark. Yeah. There's always a light somewhere. Yeah. Where, whereas um, in the Glen, like, there would be no light, you know. You and couldn't. Twin, the wind blowing and the trees yeah. rustling and sounds. Oh, uh, yeah. and the clown the puka. You probably, probably you were glad you didn't know it was called that back then. <laughs> I am. And funnily enough, I actually had a, I had a, a puka experience. That's right, Jess. Yeah. You document this too, yeah. It was, uh, it, was, it was very strange. It was, uh, it was an old piebald pony. Mm. And I was walking up in the, in the dark one night and, and uh, 
it was quite it was a bit of kind of uh, phosphorescent light you know kind mm -hmm. of it was kind of a stormy night i think and it, i just got to the top of the 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 hill there just where what they call the black patch and this creature this shape sort of miasmic sort of white thing came towards me sort of you know, floating about and I, I literally my hair stood at an end you know mm. <laughs> and it turned out to be a bloody piebald pony you know mm. but, I mean if I turned and run at that stage I'd still believe I'd seen a ghost mm. you know? mm. uh, I, I had a lot of experiences like that mm. where, where, where you you just had to tough it out mm. and, and satisfy you know things no matter how scared you were because mm. Uh, you couldn't go it again. You'd be afraid of it foot outside the door. Mm. But it, it was. It could be lonely there, you know. At times, mm. it, it was. Um, it, it was. Uh, you were always a target, you know. Mm. Like people who live in houses that are mm. isolated. Mm. The local kids, uh, you know, some of them could be quite nasty, you know. Mm. Uh, so that you were. Um, so you, there, there were kind of downsides to it, but then mm. uh, the were upsides were just absolutely. Mm. You know, it yeah, was, well. It was beautiful. I mean, when when the house was there, and the the um the old sluice gates, you just all you you never you always heard water falling. Mm -hmm. You never you could never get far away from the sound of falling, mm -hmm. which is that's a thing that's missing from the modern glen. You don't hear falling water, mm -hmm. and the whole glen would be full of the sound of falling water. Mm -hmm. All this, you know, um, but uh, you know, so you had to say, and the, the trees around the, like there was a, a ring of trees around the house, you know, because it was closed in this ring of elm trees and. It was just, it was mm. really beautiful, you know, mm. it, it wasn't a big house, but it was a, mm. it was comfortable house, comfortable mm. size house, it was, it was really quite beautiful there, you know, uh, yeah, so, the, the, yeah. Well, I, do, I do imagine you got venturing out into the dark, sent off to collect the sister up with the lamp, and uh, I mean, I presume you were glad when she came, because at least it was the two of you going back yeah, then. The two of us going back, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't have fancied that, uh, I, I, I don't think. Um Good. No, there was a couple of things I wanted to say to you there. Now. Oh, yeah. So and I am sort of drawing us to a conclusion, really. And thank you for your time. Uh, it's been very evocative, I suppose, to bring the Glen to life. M you know, funnily for me, much more so in conversation, uh, I think, than 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 maybe a book can. Um, yeah. But um, did travellers use it? Was it was it used as a, you know, you'd imagine it was a space where they could have if they were passing through or coming to sell or. You know, um... yeah, there there were several encampments um, uh, it, over the years. You know, they they didn't use it regularly. Well, it was private property. And sport was going to be my next question then. So you would you had a lot of travellers, and even I mentioned a few in the even in the in the in the, the early part of the twentieth century. Some court cases where people are brought up for vagrancy. You know, kind of used to say it was an ideal place, I suppose, for vagrancy. And when I was a young fellow, actually. There was an old man used to come down and he slipped rough up behind the house. There was a, a sort of a, a, a ticket. There was a, a young Elmwood, uh, you know, covered all the, the from the our back garden right up to the top of the hill. And there was a, a there was an old guy who used to sleep rough up there, an old, an old uh, tramp. And he'd come, you know, pick it up bits of timber and sort of make fire and all that, you know. But uh, and when I was very young, I remember him. And, and funnily enough, I thought I thought he was a dream. You know, I remember a dream from childhood. I, I met the, the family that lived uh, in the Glen before me, before we lived there, uh, the Martins. And I, I met uh, one of the Martins, Brian Martin, and he told me about this old guy. I said, Jesus, I thought I dreamt him. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it was a place where people would hang out, you know, uh, kind of, you know. Uh, uh, and would increasingly get used for sporting activities then? It was always used for sporting activities. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the, I understand. I'm no expert on Brian Dillon's uh, yeah. uh, club, you know, but but I understand that they first began pra uh, practicing on what was called the Black Patch. So that would have been, you know, well, it wasn't. And you did reference him, but I suppose I should have asked you then. He was a Fenian from what the 1867 Rising. Yeah, he was. Funnily enough, um, a thing that I didn't realize, he wasn't actually involved in the Rising. He'd picked up before the Rising. He, he was arrested uh, a year or two before the rising and he still got sentenced uh, for, for uh, what do you call oh, it? Yeah. Uh, in, in, in insurrection. Or... Yeah. Uh, so uh, even though he didn't actually fire a shot, but um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it ruined his life. It shortened his life substantially. You know? mm -hmm. uh, 
So, Jared, I'm grateful. It's been a lovely chat. Thank you very much. Um, good chatting to you. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very specific part of Cork history, a very specific geographical part of Cork history, but with so much more. Ah, I knew it. I know it. I, I know it. I mean, there's something struck me when you spoke about the waterfall. I mean, that's something that could be looked at as a potential thing that could be returned to the Glen as a way of perhaps connecting it to the past. But uh, what would you like? What, you know, if you if you could wave a magic wand and and you can't bring back the ruins that are gone, but based on what's there now, what would, if you could wave a magic wand and, you know, to a degree, money, no object, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, it would be quite What cheap. would you like to see happen? Yeah, I, I have thought uh, a lot about that. And it, the one thing that could, could be just about brought back is the, the area called the Hatch, which is about three quarter ways down the Glen. Mm. And it's just what you see now is a big, ugly concrete kind of bit. But there were two waterfalls there. And one of them flowed down with like the, the one of Dodge's mills was was just uh, east of that. Sorry, west of that. And, and it flowed down the, the, the outlet, the sluice gate flowed down a series of steps and then went underground and then came out and joined the river further down. And it would be a relatively easy matter to restore that old waterway and to put the hatches back because it, it was the, the what they call the hatches, the sluice gates, effectively. Mm. Everybody called them hatches, but but because it, it was the, the hatches actually that caused that you know that the, there was a great sound from them. The, the water kind of thundered out of them, you know, kind of mm. it echoed up then up to because it was a steep mm. hills, you know. Mm. Um, that that would be a very beautiful thing to do, uh, and um, and some kind of information stand or thing yeah. that says. And it would, yeah, and it would hear some of what happened. Yeah, it, it would, it would be a kind of a monument to all the other mills that mm. that had existed that mm. that that are no longer, you know, and mm. and that that lower part of the Glen is not developed anyway. Mm. Um, the the upper part is quite well developed now, but mm. the, that that uh, western half of it is mm. effectively is is not, you know, the, the, there isn't much, not much has been done there. So mm. they could actually work on that. Okay. Uh, well, let's see if the book and the conversation and. Uh, creates any ripples and waves and, and might might bring it about you never know yeah yeah it would be great to see it happen actually it would be it would be it would be nice yeah Jared o'brien thank you very much for your time being a part of this cork history matters podcast okay up the glen <laughs> glenaboo as, right. as, as they say these days in a sporting context but in the in this case in a geographical and locational con context glenaboo thanks Jared. for more red fm podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts